It's time for the So She Did Podcast, where we discuss how you can live a life that sets your soul on fire. By focusing on your passions, finding and staying intensely motivated, dealing with the pressures and responsibility of everyday life, and realizing your full potential so that you can achieve excellence both professionally and personally. Directly from the So She Did studio in Denver, Colorado, please welcome your hostess, leadership expert, life coach, corporate sales leader, and author, Kristen Esparza. Hey guys, thanks so much for joining me, Kristen Esparza, on today's episode of the So She Did podcast. Today, I am joined by Paul Sterling. He is author of a book called Argue Less, Love More. And today we are going to be talking about something that we haven't delved a lot into in the past episodes. We're going to be talking about relationships. Um, specifically, we will be digging into romantic relationships and the communication skills that are required to have effective relationships and what it takes to to move forward in the current relationships that we're in or that we will be in in the future. So welcome to the show, Paul. I'm so grateful to have you here. Hey, thank you so much. I love what you do in the world, the stand that you are. So um, I think this is an amazing time that we're living in. And one of the keys is communication. For sure. For sure. And I think we've all learned um, throughout the pandemic, as you and I have talked a little bit offline about the importance of communication as we're all adapting to new platforms of communicating, new ways of doing that. But when it comes to our closest interpersonal relationships, it's even more important because in those situations, the, the communication that we have with one another really does become the foundation for those relationships. So before we get started, tell me a little bit about you and your journey well three things that you might want to know about me as a listener there one is that there are some people in life that uh, have natural talents like they're born athletic they're born charismatic they're all the rest of that that was not me that my older brother got a lot of the charisma was a race car driver my younger brother was an athlete and a martial artist and tried to be in the Olympics for bike riding. Wow. I've broken more bones than both my <laughs> brothers combined. So, And the, the, what, the second thing, though, is I am persistent. Like, that's something I've learned, and I've studied with mentors, and I was lucky enough to stumble on somebody named Tony Robbins early in life, and yes. I ended up working for him and studying with him and another guy, uh, Marshall Rosenberg, who uh -huh. created nonviolent communication and Marshall Thurber, who was Robert Kiyosaki's trainer. So I've spent, I've, I've been persistent and hung out with many mentors. And what I'm most proud of, the third thing is that um, I am dyslexic, grammatically impaired, high school dropout. I wrote a best-selling book. Congratulations. Um, Congratulations. Yeah. yeah. And I say it took six months to write it and six years to edit it. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. <laughs> but that goes back to what you said about yourself being persistent. Yeah. And I, and what happened is so many people have problems. One of the quotes, and you, you were dancing around a little bit, is like the quality of your relationship based on the quality of your communication. Yeah. And I think I've heard that from Tony Robbins and Esther Perel and different people. The other challenge is the normal outcome of most communication is misunderstanding. And that's what Marshall Rosenberg, the creator of nonviolent communication, said. Mm -hmm. And what I want to ask the listeners is how many of you have ever noticed that the people you love the most are often the most difficult to talk to? Even if the listeners can't pipe in right now, I will tell you that I absolutely have experienced that. And for those of you who are listening on Anchor, you do have the ability um, to record a comment or a statement and send it to me to talk about or to share on a future episode. So we'd love to hear the answer to that question. But for me, absolutely, the people that I'm closest with or the people who mean the most to me are sometimes the most challenging to communicate with, often because they mean the most to me. If that makes exactly. sense. Exactly. It makes total sense because that's where we're most vulnerable. You yeah. know, if people haven't already listened to this person, check out Brene Brown on vulnerability. Amazing woman. Just Love Brene Brown. She is a professor at the University of Houston, which is where I received my bachelor's degree. So absolutely love Brene Brown. 
Yeah. And talking about like one of the keys is, is courageous vulnerability. And that's the challenge is when we're communicating with somebody and they're precious and important to us, the outcome is really important and it's scary and it takes a lot of courage. And if we get it wrong, what happens is we start to we communicate and we don't feel and write this down, please draw a triangle <laughs> like for those of you who are listening, those of you who can see, it doesn't matter. Draw a triangle. Here are the three things that people want desperately. And I teach all around the world, work with couples from England to Mexico to Australia. Um, they want to be heard, understood, and valued. So, Kristen, let me ask. Do you, yes. When you're speaking, do you want to be heard, understood, and valued? I do. I do want to be heard, understood, and valued. I want somebody to hear what I'm saying understand the meaning behind what I'm saying and then even if they disagree to at least have value or place value in the meaning behind my words so absolutely so which one of you of those three do you think trips people up the most hearing understanding or value I would think understanding Yes. Yay. Okay. You, good you, for me. You nailed it. The, <laughs> the degree paid off. Good. Your education. You got it. Good. And here's what it is. People confuse understanding with agreement. They're afraid that if I actually understand you and feed it back, because that's how we know whether or not we've been understood. I, I never tell somebody, yeah, I understand you because I don't know if I do or not. Yeah. I'll tell you, Kristen, here's what I think I heard. Mm -hmm. Did I get it? So it's like understanding is when you can say, even if the person has a totally polar opposite point of view, here's what I think I heard. This is really important to you. And I think this is so critical right now because out there in the world of COVID, politics, immigration, yes, women's rights, all of these really hot issues, we're polarizing rather than leaning in and understanding each other. Yes. And if I, I actually created a show for a while called Across the Aisle, and that used that was a political statement that for bills to get passed or anything, people had to work across the aisle. It wasn't a Democratic bill or a Republican bill. It was the best thing for America. Yes. We've gone, a, we've gone away from that. Actually, one of the episodes that I just recently released, we talked a little bit about that. That wasn't the discussion point of the episode, but we got off topic a little bit and said, you know, at some point we have to work together. Um, and I said, I think it starts at the micro level, at you and I talking. Um, I really, really believe that at the core, if we're all going to communicate as groups of people, we first have to communicate at the individual level. And it's really sad. I I think how divided we have become simply because well these are my ideas and this is what I align with these are my ideas and this is what I align with and those two you know I think very often there's no conversation about what does let me hear your worldview let me hear the points that you're trying to make let me share with you mine and perhaps we can both come just a, a tad closer together for the benefit of everybody. And that just doesn't seem to be happening right now, if you believe the media and you know what you see on the news. But I do think I don't experience that as much in my real life. Certainly there are some people who I disagree with on the political and social spectrum, but I think that in my real life, at the, again, at that micro level, I think most people want the good and want to communicate that way. Well, let me give one of the, um ways the brain works. So I'm going to give you some, you know, the intellectual side and, the, and what people can do. And I got originally some of this information from a guy named Stan Tatkin. He's an amazing writer. He wrote Wired for Love. Okay. So the brain goes through, when we get triggered, we go through alert, alarm, attack. The three A's, alert, alarm, attack. Okay. So you're lying in bed at night, you hear a clump you hear a noise and it's like it's almost at a subliminal level and your brain goes alert okay alert. is there something to pay attention to so that's that first level of pay attention to yeah. and then the alarm level is oh i hear a footstep is it dangerous yes okay and so once we get to it's dangerous then we move to attack mode so attack mode we've got 
when we're communicating, so I'm mixing two metaphors. Yeah, here, yeah, I, I could, I'm following though. We communicate either from our head, our heart, or our hurt, and our hurt is our reptile brain. Okay. And this will tie into all of this. When we're in our reptile brain, it's an either-or brain. It's okay. very simple. All that matters is safety. So either Kristen is the enemy or the ally, friend or foe, black or white. It's like it. You know, President Bush at one point said years ago, "Either you're for us or against us." That's very much the reptile brain speaking. Yes.、Mm -hmm. Because when and and because of all of the challenges going on right now, people are in a lot of fear, so they've moved out of their head and even their heart, and they're just in their hurt. Yes. And this is so critical in understanding communication because one of my clients, who's、um, Airline pilot just was telling me this story. He said, "It's fine if I share it." He was flying, and he flies big jumbo jets. Yeah. And they were flying from Madrid to Miami, and a woman in first class, when they land, is all upset. They're yelling in the cabin. They, have, the attendants, come up to the captain and say, "Captain, you gotta like help us. We don't know what to do." Yeah. <laughs> And he goes back, and he's going to himself. What would Paul do? What would Paul do? <laughs> I mean, this is a guy who flies、yeah. jumbo jets,、yeah. one of the the best in the world. Yeah. And, but he went back, and one of the things I teach is when somebody's in their reptile brain, they don't speak head, they don't speak heart, they speak hurt. And、okay. when you're in hurt, the main thing you want, Kristen, is you want to feel safe again. Yes. And so all he did is he walks back to this lady, and everybody in first class is like, "Zoom, captain's here. How's he going to handle it? Because it easily could have gone bad." Listen, lady, if you don't sit down, we're going to have you taken off by TSA. Going to like, yeah, it's going to be a、yeah. bad deal. He just looks at her, and goes, "What do you need to feel safe right now?" Wow! And the whole cabin just went, <sighs> "Yeah." And she reached out and grabbed his arm and says, "I just need to feel secure." Yeah. And that's that. She in that one moment, that one thing. What do you need to feel safe right now? See, because what we often do is we try to convince somebody they shouldn't feel the way you're feeling. Kristen, you shouldn't be upset right now. You should calm down. You calm down. Like, That's the、yeah. biggest. <laughs> I've read all of these memes and jokes about the way to get a woman to, for sure, not to calm down is to tell her to calm down. <laughs> exactly. Because, see, if you're upset, you want to be heard and understood and valued and met where you are. And、yes. if somebody doesn't meet you where you are, you become more desperate. Yes. And what you're saying resonates with me.、Um, Recently, I've been, you know, customer service has been very challenging,、um, especially during the times of COVID and the industry in which I work. Just because people's emotions are heightened, and you know, supply chain demands, there's all different kinds of things happening. And what you're saying actually really helps me think about, from the customer's perspective, when they're frantic and when they're upset and when they're yell. What is it that's going to make them feel like? Not that they're being heard, which is what we're often told, but first, first make them feel like they're safe, and then that they're being heard, so we can get to the core of the issue and address it to the best of our abilities. And it also resonates with me on a personal level because I told you before that I was married for 18 years, and very often, you know, one of the reasons that we got a divorce is I think because of poor communication. We argued all of the time, and he wouldn't care that I shared this. We're still friends. Um, but we would fight about everything, and I feel like we were always in that attack mode. Always in that attack mode. And so, throughout this conversation, I'd like you to talk us through how do we how do we get out of that? You know, that's a it's such an important and critical question because most relationships don't end because of a lack of love. Right. They end because you run into a problem that's bigger than your skill set. My parents. Got a divorce after 18 years, and it was heartbreaking because they still loved each other.、Mm -hmm. And so, what's happening? There was a great ad, and I normally don't quote commercials, but there was—I think it was Sprint. And do you remember what he would say? Can you what? I don't know. Can you hear me now? Oh, it was Verizon. Can you hear me now? Nope. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. 
So whichever one it was, can you hear me now? And that's what happens. We get desperate. The, the passenger on that jet was got louder and louder. Can you hear me now? Your customers do, your kids do. And it's like, what do we want? We want to be heard. We and want to be heard. Once we get to be heard, then we can calm down. Now, I want to give people something practical, and I'm going to I'm going to give them the acorn effect. Okay. Now there was a book out that said, "Don't sweat the small stuff." Mm-hmm. And now I'm going to be politically incorrect here. I never read the book, but I think he's totally wrong. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. I read it years ago. It was on um, Oprah's book club list, and I read it. Right. Yeah. I understand. And here's what I say. It's easier to deal with an acorn than an oak tree. Okay. Okay. And what happens is when we don't deal with the small stuff, it starts to build. Now, don't make small stuff big. Right. But what happens is if we keep putting it aside, we start building up resistance, resentment, regret. And it's like there's there's an epidemic of women now in their late 40s, 50s, 60s, even 70s that didn't sweat the small stuff. They raised the kids. They went to church. They listened. They did. It was like one day it was going to be their turn. Yeah. And now all of a sudden they're like. Their turn never came. Excuse me? Right. That's why when I, I mean, when I was 35, I kind of had, and I'm, I feel so lucky that I had that epiphany early, um, that I didn't wait until all three of my children were grown. My oldest is in college now, but I feel lucky that at 35, I realized, you know what? There's no room for me in this life. There's room for everybody but me. Nobody hears me. And it's time for me to go find my own voice. Um, But now I'm at a place, because I have been single for three years, where how do I develop the skills so I don't end up in that situation again? I do want to be in a healthy relationship. And you and I talked about the fact that, you know, if you want, I think you said to me, if you want a remarkable relationship, you have to have remarkable skills. So what are those skills that either being single or in a relationship, specific skills we can work on developing, and how do we do it? Well, let me give you the sort of the big picture. We're trying okay. to cover 20, over 25, almost 30 years of my research in an hour. I know. <laughs> I know. And I was traveling in New York City a couple of years ago. And I am, even though I was born in New York City, I left when I was about three or four years old. Yeah. So I'm not a city guy. I'm actually more of a country guy. The city was overwhelming mm-hmm. and the subway was especially overwhelming. So what did I need to get around on the subway was a map. Right. And what I've created for relationships is a map with a guide. Now, okay. um, it's been an amazing journey to do that. And then the seven skills you're talking about are like, they're not the only seven skills you need, but these core ones, if you get these met, if you nail these skills, you will transform your relationships and you're going to attract somebody at a different level. Yes. And this Mm -hmm. is what's see change is coming. You just talked about it. The, The change that's happened, especially if you look at it from a, a radical example from the stone age where a woman needed a man right like not just i need you but it was life and death. life and death right mm-hmm. and men needed a tribe so one right. like women were the only one we needed each other at a whole survival level right and so it didn't matter whether you're you know even 60 years ago your guy didn't talk about his feelings. He didn't communicate well. He was a drunk. He could even be abusive. Well, at least you got a guy. Right, right. Well. Because you need somebody to put food on the table or whatever it is. Yeah. And now we're not in that situ- in, in that place anymore. Um, and it's I've had this discussion with a handful of people, um, even thinking about my daughter and how her experience as a woman is going to be very different than mine because I was born in 82 and my expectation of growing up was still to get married, have children, go to church, retire, live happily ever after. And I expected the man to be the breadwinner. I really did. And um, times have changed very rapidly. And the fact is, I am a single woman who's very successful. And chances are, at this point, whoever I meet 
I will probably out earn them. I will probably outperform them. And so I do want to find somebody who's at my spirit level and my communication level because no longer do those economic factors come into play. And so it makes it a really, a really challenging dating landscape because the fact is I don't need a man for economic and social reasons. I still want one and I still feel like I have a need for one on the inside because biologically I'm still a woman. Um, But it's changed. It's changed. And my fear too is finding somebody who has evolved and changed with that as well. And this is, thank you for that. So clearly articulating it and, and for the guys listening to this call, it's a wake up like, and it's terrifying at some level because what we used to be rewarded for, we're no longer rewarded for. So right. I'll tell you a, a, a story that ties into this. Many years ago, I bought a BMW mm-hmm. and it had intermittent windshield wipers. Now, see, nowadays I say that and people go, no big deal. My right. Kia has intermittent windshield wipers. Yeah. But this was one of the first cars that I found that had it. And like, if you sat in my car... I told you about my wipers. Yeah. Watch this. They yeah. Go, wait, boom, boom, wait. Now, what happens is the first time those wipers show up, they're excited. Then they get requested and then they get expected. Right. So what ha- used to be exciting is now expected. Yes. Take that into relationships. And it used to be exciting to find a man and even women that could talk about their feelings and their needs and the relationship. And now it's expected. Yeah. And it's transforming. And so the skills that you used to need in relationships, like being able to be a breadwinner or she's a good breeder. She's like, yeah. she's look at those child rearing hips, hips or yep. whatever. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. like, man, you say that now on a date, it's the last date you have. It's true. I've been on some dates with some men like that. And I'm thinking to myself, this guy is, I actually think he's a Neanderthal. This is who this guy is. And it's funny that you alluded to, you know, kind of our our hunter-gatherer days, but that's actually what I find myself thinking when men behave like that. Yeah. And and listen, I have, I spent 18 years as a commercial fisherman in Alaska. I left home at 17. Mm -hmm. And so I have some Neanderthal in me. Yeah. And what I want to tell guys, if I'm sort of the test dummy. Yeah. I can get it, (laughs) almost anybody can. And if you miss it, I had one client come to me. They had been married over 25 years. He actually didn't become a client because in our first conversation, it was clear he had waited till the P-O-N-R, yeah. point of no return. Mm-hmm. And he'd come home after 25 years and she had asked. She had asked for therapy, counseling, coaching, something. And he had ignored it mm-hmm. until he came home and the house was cleaned out. Yeah. So all the way back to what do you do? You catch it with as an acorn and you go, honey, I have an acorn. Can we talk about it? Yeah. And you set yourself up to win. Now in the in the book and what i'd love to do is at the end talk to people about how they can get a free copy they can go to amazon and spend 19 dollars 97 cents and get a copy which is awesome i love them doing that yeah or they can get a free one but in the book we talk about the five mistakes that people make okay and so if i was going to come to you with an acorn what i want to make sure is that your cup is empty now I know some of you are just listening, but if I held up a cup, if the cup is full, how much more can I get in the cup, Chris? Yeah, you can't. Nothing. What if I yell at it? You, it's still going to stay full. <laughs> what if I withhold my love and affection and attention and sex and withhold everything? Then your cup is still full. So what I need to do is empty the cup first. Empty the cup. Okay. Tell me about what that means. So You know how, like, intimacy is into me, see? Yes. Empathy is empty me first. Empty my cup. So say you came home and we were in a relationship or something. You came home and I said, I need to talk to you about your spending habits. And you just had a miserable day at work. You had tough customers, flat tire, speeding ticket. You walk in the door. What are the chances 
they, they're going to be room in your cut for me telling you about spending. Probably about zero. And you even suggesting that <laughs> would probably make me want to throw the cup at you. <laughs> exactly. So. so what we want to do is set ourselves up and our partners up to succeed. And so like I could say, well, boy, Kristen sure shut down. She doesn't talk about money. It's really upsets her. I could be talking about giving you a foot rub and you could be upset. True. Because you're yeah. just triggered. Just right leave now. me alone for a minute, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So if I, what I would do is go, I have an acorn. Is this a good time to talk? And you might go, no, I'm really upset right now. And here's a critical thing. Like, one of the mistakes we have is maleitis. Mm-hmm. Now, I work with uh, straight couples, gay couples, lesbian couples. So, maleitis is more like masculinitis. Okay. So, it's not just gender, gender specific. Mm-hmm. A lot of times, women will do this with their children. Mm-hmm. So, what it is, so when your partner comes in pain, you try to fix them. Okay. So, if you came home and you said, you know, my boss was a real ass today. And I go, well, did you try to do this? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. I can tell you uh, that is one of when people ask me why I got divorced. (laughs) That is one of my top reasons because I didn't want my problem solved. I just wanted somebody to be on my team and to hear what I had to say and to just let me. And there was also very often one-upmanship. You're never going to believe what my boss did today. Oh, really? Let me tell you what mine did. Yeah. So that's a critical. So what we're doing, though, is we're going against human nature almost. Mm Because masculine is rewarded to fix things. Just think about if a guy came in and said to his buddies, hey, Joe, I got a flat tire. And Joe said, well, do you want to talk about it? Can you tell me how you feel about your flat tires? Like, <laughs> no, let's go fix the damn tire. Yeah, so, yeah. So it's like, how do you set your partner up to win? It's like, honey, I'm really triggered about my boss right now. And I'd like you to listen. Yeah. Because the automatic listening is, if you come to me in pain, I think it's either your my fault or my responsibility to fix to you. fix it, yeah. And if I'm uncomfortable being with my own pain, I'm going to be uncomfortable being with yours. Ah, yes. Mm -hmm. So, Kristen, could you please, like, fix whatever it is because I'm uncomfortable being with you right now. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, set it up to win. If I'm coming to you with an acorn, I might ask, is this a good time? Mm-hmm. And if you go, well, no, I'm pretty upset right now. And I would go, do you need, do you need empathy or do you need space? Yeah, I think that is such a powerful question. And I think that it's one of the things I've actually consciously thought about for my future relationships is finding somebody who will ask me rather than responding directly. And it's funny because a lot of the skills that you say and that you reference are things that I use in the workplace, right? So an employee comes to me and has a problem and I ask them, do you want me to talk you through this or do you want me to hear your solution? Just things like that that I respond with. But when it comes to those personal relationships where emotions are involved, I'm not as good at that. I tend to I guess have maleitis a little bit and say, well, here's what you need to do. Let me fix it. Um, and I think that it's really interesting. Why do you think it's so hard for us in those romantic relationships, close friendships, close family relationships to communicate in the same way with the same skill set that we would in a professional environment? Uh, well, we haven't built the muscle. See, it's conditioning. If you think about any athlete, what we try to do is condition athletes to practice under pressure. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because when they're in the game, they need to be able to do it under pressure. So in, in work, we practice under pressure. I spent years as, as a business consultant traveling around the world teaching, you know, like the city of Albuquerque, most of the top management went through my course on quality, productivity, and leadership. Yeah. But we don't practice at home. Why? Um, that's a good question because yeah. part of it is we don't think that we need to. Like there is a fairy tale out there. Okay, so 
there are two different kinds of relationship paradigms mm -hmm. and Hollywood kind of promotes one of them, but I call it um, happily ever after meets Lord of the Rings. Okay. <laughs> so in happily ever after, when you get together, like you had a tough life, you get together journeys over. That's the vacation. That's the reward. And if something's going wrong, when you get together, that it's screwed up. Yeah. At the Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit is sitting in his home and it's like, life is good. Yeah. I do not want to go on a journey because when he goes on a journey, he knows it's about the, the, the whatever it is to yeah. hit the fan. Yeah. So if you're in a relationship, in a new evolved relationship, what's happening is the rules, the roles, the responsibilities, the rewards, they're all changing. I they're see. no longer like the rule book. Mm-hmm. So the great freedom and great challenge. Yeah. And it kind of reminds me of, you know, you hear this a lot with parents um, where the child's very well behaved at school, but when they come home, they're having temper tantrums and they have the temper tantrum at home and they ask the teacher, Hey, how is little Johnny performing at school? Oh, he's fine. So, you know, they go to a counselor and the counselor says, well, what he's doing is you're his parent, you're his safe place. And this is where he lets it all go. And I think that you know, for a child, that's one thing, but as adults in relationships, we need to approach our, our significant others and our family and our friendship relationships with a little bit more awareness than this is my safe place and I can take advantage of it because in fact, what it does is it divides, it divides that relationship and it divides us from one another and we end up creating an unsafe place because of it. Yeah, if you think about it, I um, just had two teeth extracted and three implants put in. Ouch. Now, if I came to you and said, Kristen, I got a drill, which yeah. I literally do. And the, you can see it, the viewers can't, but uh -huh. that is a dental drill right there. Ugh, yeah. And I said, listen, I'll do, I'll do a root canal on you for half price. I got a book from Home Depot called The Idiot's Guide <laughs> to Root Canals. Yeah. And I have this drill and it will be half price. And I'm smart and I'm handsome and I'm capable in most player areas. Would you want me to drill on your teeth? Heck no. Why not? Because you're not an expert. In what area? In the root canal area. The area exactly. of dentistry. <laughs> so you wouldn't trust your teeth with me. Correct. But we trust our heart with people who aren't experts in relationships all the time. Yeah, we do. Because if you're not trained and I started, you asked me about the seven skills and I started going to them. Number one, communication. Can you communicate in a way where both people feel heard, understood and valued? Can you enter somebody's world? Yeah. Or does communication tend to spiral downward in and end up where both people feel bad, stupid, and wrong. Yeah. Another one, which is critical, and we started this conversation a little bit around this, is about your needs. Yeah. You, are you able to notice, name, and negotiate your needs? Notice, and, name, and negotiate your needs. I'm thinking this through, okay? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And most people, like especially men, men are told that they have two needs. Food, Food sex. sex. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. And then maybe football. Yep. Mm -hmm. Now, it's interesting because Tony talks about six core needs and I've got it to 10 needs when I'm working with people. Okay. So you're telling me that men need more than food and sex. Absolutely. And, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and it's important to have the language to go with it because mm -hmm. we, we have a lot of, we're in a culture of need shame because one of the big insults yeah. is you're what? Needy. needy, you're needy, clingy, and, whatever. Mm -hmm. And here, listen, the only time that we're not needy is when we're getting our needs met. Okay, that's a powerful statement. The only time we are not needy is when we are getting our needs met. Do you think, here's a tough question, do you think it's fair to expect the other person to meet our needs or should that come from within us? Well, I think we're on a planet with about how many other billion people? Yeah. I don't think that we're here to, to meet just our own needs. Now, there's so many metaphors of like, 
if you meet each other's needs, yes, things go so much easier. The challenges in the sentence you said expect. As soon as I expect it, it becomes a demand. Yes, I think that that's fair. Mm-hmm. And and then it's like nothing sexier than、um, obligatory sex. Right there, you go. There's、yep. that's hot. Yep. So the idea, though, is to make precious requests, because there's still part of the masculine that wants to be the hero. Like, I want to give you something. I want to like be of service. I want to meet your precious needs. Yeah, and you know what? I will say this, and a lot of people may be offended by it, but it's okay with me. I talk a lot about strong women and women's empowerment, but the fact is, at my core, I am still a woman, and part of me still wants. A, a knight in shining armor to come in and hold my hand and open the door and make me feel, you know, special. And if I get a flat tire, you mentioned a flat tire, you know, to come and save me as the damsel in distress. And if I wake up in the middle of the night and there's a sound in the house, to be the one to go investigate it. And I don't think that makes me any less strong as a woman. I think what it does is it makes me a woman. Yeah, and what you're bringing up. Is if people want passion in their relationship, yeah, there needs to be polarity. Okay, I like that too.、Mm-hmm. And it can be a strong. I'm going to say a strong masculine, a strong feminine. I don't care who's doing the roles. You could switch roles. Yeah, yeah.、One、and sometimes clients, that happens. I see that working sometimes.、Mm-hmm. One of my clients is one of the top paid executives in in LA at、mm-hmm. one of the big companies everybody would know, and he's. The guy is a stay-at-home dad.、Mm-hmm. But what didn't happen? What they needed to do, and they they learned how to do it eventually, is for her when she came home is to be able to step back in her feminine. Yes. Because、mm-hmm. in this tough male role, she had hardened herself, so she had this shell, and he couldn't reach through the shell. He couldn't touch her. Yeah. And she didn't allow herself to be touched. Yeah. So. And, and I will gonna... say this is this is me being a little bit vulnerable. One of the challenges that I have, because I am strong and successful in all of those things, is、um, meeting people who do not who aren't afraid of that because that's not who I am. That's what I do, if that makes sense. And so I still would like to have somebody to come home and be the strong one, so that I don't have to have that armor all day every day. And and that has been the challenge is finding somebody who's strong enough to not be threatened by a strong woman and understand that at home she still, in fact, is a woman. Yeah, and it's it's a really precious and important conversation to have. Yeah, have that dance of what you want and need,、mm-hmm. and make friends with your needs because. Make friends with your needs. You have all of these little things I need to remember. Make friends with your needs. Okay, got it. <laughs> well, we treat needs three different ways. We have need shame,、mm-hmm. and need shame is like I feel like I'm broken. If I have a need, it means there's something wrong with me. Yes, I think that that's true too. I don't need anybody. I don't need anything. You hear that all the time. And、right. I to back to your your um. Allusion to Brene Brown. There's this idea that, in fact, being vulnerable and admitting that you have needs takes a lot more strength than than hiding them. Exactly.、Mm-hmm. So the second level, so need shame, needs embarrassment. So in needs embarrassment, what that is, Kristen, is when you, like, I, I have a precious need to be cuddled or held or whatever it is, and. I'm too embarrassed to ask for it,、ah. and if you don't do it, with, if you don't read my mind and do it, you don't love me.、Ah. So I'm gonna,、mm-hmm. I'm not gonna ask you to meet my need, but I'm gonna punish you if you don't. I can see that, and I see that as being a more, at least in my past relationships and with my friends and stuff,、um, being more of a feminine trait, where you get that kind of silent treatment. What's wrong? Nothing. I'm fine. <laughs> no, you're not. No, you're not. What's wrong? Nothing. I'm fine. Why would you think anything is wrong? <laughs> But、yeah. I think a lot of that too comes down to self awareness. Are you even aware of what the need was that was not met, and are you able to articulate that? Which again goes back to communication skills. Yeah, and what we're trying to do is help people create breakthroughs in their life. That's one of the things. When I trained with Tony Robbins, he's a master at creating breakthroughs.、And、yeah, breakthroughs basically happen when you change a belief or a pattern or behavior 
and it creates a whole new world of possibility. Like you and I having this conversation over Zoom right now and then yeah. podcast and all the rest of that, that's because people had breakthroughs in what was possible. Yes. Like wasn't that long ago you would say, I'm going to pick up my phone and I'm going to send you a text. Right. You're going to what? Right. And I'm going to send a movie and take pictures. That all came from people having breakthroughs. Yes. And it's the same in relationships, having a breakthrough in the area of communication or in getting your needs met. Or the third one, in using conflict to get closer. Okay, let's hear this. Because especially for the feminine, the feminine tends to, the women tend to be less strong than the men. So you've had to, in conflict, you were going to lose. Okay. Like just yeah. normally. It right. doesn't mean in all cases, but normally. Right. Yeah. So conflict was dangerous. Mm-hmm. So when when voices get raised, you submit and bow down. Like in my family growing up, there was violence. And like when somebody's voices got raised, I would tend to be the guy who got hurt. Yeah. So I learned how to like collapse. Lay low. As a, yeah. And conflict was dangerous. But if people are upset, they're typically upset because there's a precious need not being met. So how do you lean in? And when people's voices get raised, they get raised because they don't feel heard, understood, or valued. So you get communication come back in. Okay. So how do you become curious when somebody's upset? Like the pilot did. The woman was upset in first class. He goes in rather than telling her what she should or shouldn't do. What do you need to feel safe right now? Right. He knew that she was raising her voice because she was upset yes Mm -hmm. so it's like learning in leaning in and being able to meet them where they're at and use conflict to become curious rather than pull away and go oh my god i'd surrender whatever you want and then resent it yeah and i will say i do want to add this um little statement here this is domestic violence awareness month we are not talking about unhealthy abusive conflict we're talking about people arguing into you know the title of your book is argue less love more where you know if you are listening to this and you're in an abusive situation that does not mean that you should try to negotiate with an abuser or tolerate abusive behavior if there's conflict where you can work through it that's different but we're talking about normal conflict in day-to-day life we're not talking about abusive behavior here I totally agree and the, I, I taught in prison for eight and a half years I did a volunteer wow. program and wow. worked with inmates you've um, done everything <laughs> <laughs> thank you I think <laughs> but but yes definitely what you're saying and violence is a desperate attempt to be heard and that's when other communication fails so right. the more that somebody feels heard understood and valued the less likely they are to get violent and this is where when i was working in prison i i considered it a feminist issue for me because if i taught men how to communicate better and listen better women were less likely to be hit and hurt at home because when a man is violent it typically lands on the woman and the kids and the children yeah so the best thing we can do is give them better skills. Give them better skills. And, and very often, I think, too, especially with abusive men or women, I won't say, you know, I think domestic violence works both ways. There are plenty of totally. abused men out there. And I do believe that we should talk about that more as a society, that, you know, domestic violence is ju- is not just men hitting women. It's also women hitting men. But in most cases, in many cases, the abuser um, is unable to communicate any other way. And um in situations, you know, if you're listening to this and you hear somebody say, well, no, they just want to control, it's because they feel out of control. They've got this need for control that's not being met. And there are many, it's not an excuse. It's not a, it's not a, um, an approval for the behavior, but it is a psychological reason for the behavior. So the person being abused should not put up with it ever. But if, you know, you have a brother or a sister who is an abuser, understanding the root and getting them help so that they too can move forward in in healthier relationships in the future and cease to abuse people. I think that's an important conversation too. It's a critical one because 
all behavior uh, communications like can you hear me now yeah and they get more and more desperate to be heard yeah so we skill number one communication skill number two is about noticing naming negotiating needs skill number three is is from conflict to compassion number four is healing wounds and taming triggers healing wounds we, and t- yeah that's a big one and and carolyn mays talked about we we all get wounded the question is are you going to get bitter or are you going to get better yes and so number let's see where are we now number four and um intimacy trust and dealing with differences so those are the yes. seven so mm-hmm. the, the last one is really intimacy a lot of people want to start there mm-hmm. but if there's no trust it's hard to be intimate mm-hmm. and how you deal with trust or you create trust is how you deal with differences yeah. difficulties and decisions so that right there i typically work with people we start with 90 days till i get move them up in their relationship mm-hmm. to the next level because we're talking about patterns people have had for pretty much a lifetime. I th- I would agree with that. Yes, and breaking those patterns and it's not necessarily specific to that relationship. It's very often ingrained in their whole history. So Here's an interesting question. I've been thinking about this as you're talking. Sometimes when we meet somebody, that physical chemistry is overwhelming and it shuts our brain down and we forget how to think and we are in love and we are, you know, we jump into, I won't even say intimacy because I think intimacy is a full connection of body, mind, soul, but we jump into a sexual relationship. We, we get really attached to somebody And then we end up getting hurt because we didn't work on these skills in advance. So for the people out there who are either already in a relationship or like me are single and dating, how do you develop those skills once you're kind of in the middle of it already? Well, you know, when I do a breakthrough session, part of what I, what what the job of the session is, the first session is to look and go, is this problem worth solving? Okay, good question. Is this relationship worth saving? So mm-hmm. is this problem worth solving? Am I willing to do what it takes to solve it? What's the impact of me not solving it? Now, I already talked a little bit about the impact. During this whole COVID thing, the last thing I wanted to do was go to a dentist. Mm-hmm. And I had a cavity. So what did I do? I ignored the cavity long enough that it actually became infected and I basically ended up losing the tooth. Right. Mm-hmm. I went past the point of no return. Yeah. What people typically do is they wait until it's almost the point of no return before they try to get skills. I think I would agree with that. I'm, I've been guilty of that in the past too. Mm-hmm. Because it's, you know, not on my radar. Yeah. And it's like waiting to decide to go on a diet once you're obese. And once you're obese, then it's harder or training or whatever it is. Or like, you know, you're going to quit smoking once you get cancer or you're going to quit sugar once you get diabetes. It's like, no, no, no. So there's three levels people come to me. And this, this will make sense. When you go to a doctor, there's three levels also. Problem, prevention, possibility. So problem is... I'm sick. Okay. I have cancer. I have this. I have that. Fix my problem. It's like another way of looking at it is the house is on fire. Put out the fire. Right. Mm-hmm. So people typically reach out to coach, counselor, therapist when the house is on fire, when they're sick. Okay. The next level up is say my prevention, which is my family has a history of either breast cancer or diabetes or abuse and I want to prevent it. Okay. So I see it possibly coming our way. We've had some conflicts and I want to prevent having a, a, the relationship end. Right. So most people come because of the problem. The next group is about prevention. And the third group, which is the smallest, but often really fun to work with, mm-hmm. is about the group peak performance or possibility. Okay. So that would be an athlete who goes to maybe a doctor and says, what do I need to do to eat right, to have a healthy diet so I can be a triathlon or, you know, an Olympic performer? So problem, prevention, possibility. Right. 
And so I think for everybody listening, it's where are you now? And then how do you address that? Right? So for me, I think I'm in the possibility group because I'm not in a relationship with anybody at the time at the moment, but I've also been in both of the other stages before. And I probably need to address those almost retroactively, if that makes sense. So that the possibility is better. And if you're serious, like if you're serious working out at the gym, what do you get? Stronger. A trainer. A trainer. Okay. <laughs> a trainer. And you do get stronger. You do get stronger. But it, yeah. A, a trainer holds you accountable to your commitment. Yes. And shows you what to do. Yeah. And, and it's the accountability is the critical part. And people typically get coaching and therapy backwards. Like I, I, uh, in the little town of Estes Park, Colorado, where I have a home, I was one of the better racquetball players, Mm -hmm. but it was a small pool. Yeah. And then I went down and was working down in Denver, big pool, Mm -hmm. and I was very small fish. Like when I played against the, the pros, I was lucky to get a point. At racquetball, you get 15 points. I was lucky to get a point against them. Wow. Now, I got one of the, the A players to coach me. And here's how coaching went there. He'd give me 15 minutes of coaching and he'd say, you need at least like two or three hours of practice before you come and see me again. Okay. So backhand, 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 a hundred of them right down the wall, dun, 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 slam it, dun, dun, dun. And see what happens with most people in coaching and counseling, they spend the hour coaching and counseling and then go home and do 15 minutes of practice, maybe. I see. Mm-hmm. If you want to really grow your relationship, grow your skills, get yourself a trainer and then practice it because you're building muscle. And that, that's an interesting concept that our communication skills are a muscle. And it's funny because I don't doubt that, again, in my professional environment, I read, I write, I work on my communication skills continuously. But in relationships, it's the same thing, developing muscle, developing the skills to make us successful. So I want to talk about one more thing that I think was really interesting. You mentioned to me the last time we spoke something called the buffet principle. What the heck is the buffet principle? Well, that is like if you're single and thinking about being in a relationship and, and I'll tell a different story, go right to the buffet. But I was, okay. um, I was taking salsa dancing lessons and mm-hmm. I was talking to my, and what happens is you learn a step, you practice it, and then you rotate. So it's sort of, sort of like salsa dancing meets um, square dancing. Yeah. So I'm dancing with my partner. I'm asking her about her, her life. And she's saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm taking a break from dating until I figure it out. And then I'm going to date again. Okay. And the thing is, I said, that's sort of like you learn it. I was moving salsa and then go sit on the couch and figure it out and don't get up to dance again until you figured out the move. Ooh, I feel a little bit attacked because I'm like that lady right now. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. So at one level it makes sense, but Mm -hmm. you're not going to figure out sitting on the couch, how to do the move. And that's the same with the buffet. Like if you're going to eat, you look at the buffet and you go, that looks good. Or that man looks good. Or that woman looks good. And you put it on the plate. Now, a lot of us were brought up with the concept that if it's on the plate, you have to eat it. Yes. Mm -hmm. And so some women get in a relationship, they they go on one date and it doesn't even go that well, but now they're in a relationship. Uh Uh-huh. Because they don't know how to go like, nope, halfway through the date, that's enough red flags. I'm sorry, but I now have to leave. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. The way you looked at that waiter and or talked to that person or dealt with that, like I, or that joke, I've been on dates with people that have given the the worst jokes, and I'm like, we don't do racist jokes here. <laughs> so right, it's yeah. sensitivity. There's not like I'm yeah. sorry, but no. And so the buffet is like, if you're going from single to relationship ready, part of it is doing the dance and going on dates and practicing asking important questions and figuring out like before I have oh uh, four thousand five hundred whatever people on Facebook and I ask questions because we're even to be a friend it's like 
I want to know what wakes you up early, what keeps you up late, what opens yeah. your heart, what breaks your heart. What do you want to be remembered for? I love so, those questions. So like on a date, ask those questions and ask them about personal growth because if they if they're not going to tell you that they're interested in personal growth on the first date then they're probably they not, not. The, they may not be the person that's going to grow with you or encourage you to grow exactly right and you're either growing or die yeah yes either, yes 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 you're breaking down or breaking through oh i like that one breaking down or breaking through i love that and i think with that second one you're choosing you encounter a tough situation and you have two options. You're breaking down or you're breaking through. You're having a breakthrough here. Yeah, and that's what Tony was a master. Tony Robbins is a master of interrupting patterns, creating new ones, creating breakthroughs for people. And it's an ongoing process yes. because you don't get like, when I go work out at the gym, I've never done the ultimate workout where I don't have to come back again. Yeah. Like I... No, I did. I went to the gym last week. I'm done like yeah. for a lifetime. And you look at each of these people that are leaders that you're proud of or you, you're in awe of, mm -hmm. they continue to have breakthroughs. Yes. And that's how they deal with the breakdowns. And hit the next level and that next level and that next level and improve. And I think, you know, for me especially, particularly, I want somebody that wants to grow like that alongside me. So... Yeah, it's an, it's an ongoing choice and it's a challenge and it's a little or a lot uncomfortable being. And that's why surround yourself. Listen to Kristen's broadcasts. Thank listen you. to yeah. Brene Brown. <laughs> listen to Alison Armstrong, Tony Robbins, the Gottmans, Esther Perel. You know, my clients, when they work with me, in between our sessions, I'm sending them these different YouTube videos from all of the masters because yeah. I'm very clear I'm not the only way towards an amazing relationship I have my method and I want them to be exposed to many different ways and find their best path right right and I think that the best the best coaches the best leaders the best guides if you will do that and they understand I'm not the only way here's what I have to offer you but in addition there is a world full of ideas and thoughts out there so tell me you know as we get ready to wrap this up what is the big idea you want people to take away from our conversation today well there's a huge difference between luck and skills and if you think about mm -hmm. it you're lucky to find the right person, but once you found them, it takes skills and muscles to keep them, yes. to keep the relationship alive, to make, you know, if you think about the relationship as a bank account, you make daily deposits or withdrawals. Yes. When you make too many withdrawals, account closed. Yes. So, Okay, get over yourself. It's not Cinderella or Prince Charming or whatever it is, like where you're happily ever after. This stuff is work. Yes. I'm sorry, but the best relationships I've ever seen, these people work at it. It's like any great artist or musician or something, you see what they do behind the scenes. Yeah. It's hard work. Um, and so get yourself a mentor, a coach, someone who pushes you and keeps you accountable to your word and to having breakthroughs. That's why I get a trainer in the gym or, yeah. you know, I took Bikram yoga. That's that hot yoga. Mm -hmm. I never did hot yoga at home by myself. Yeah. The I did hot yoga once accidentally, just so you know. <laughs> I did not know that it was a hot yoga class, and I showed up, and I had never been to the class before, so I went to the back corner of the room so everybody would be in front of me, and I could just kind of watch and see what happened. And I was sitting there, and I was doing the moves, and everything was great. And a few minutes in, I thought, man, it's really hot. 
<laughs> and I kept going. And then a few minutes later, I was like, what is wrong with me? I think I'm going to die. <laughs> and then I realized, holy shit, I think I'm in the wrong class. And I had to walk since I was in the back of the room. I had to walk through everybody. There was no hiding my escape <laughs> from this hot yoga class because I had no idea that's what I was getting into. But that's a good metaphor for us too, is, is knowing relationships before we get into them they're going to get heated. They're going to take work. They're going to require skills. And if I ever go back to a hot yoga class, I need to be mentally prepared for that and physically ready that it's going to be challenging and be ready to push myself for that and know at the end, the result will be worth it. I will have done it. I will have accomplished something. I will have achieved something. And we talk about achievement and accomplishment very often in terms of academic or professional success. But there's relationship success too. And sometimes that's the hardest kind of success for us to find because the stakes are high. It's not, you know, your your heart is involved, your soul is involved, your emotions. I mean, sometimes just the pheromones get us thinking crazy. And so the stakes are high in those interpersonal relationships. And I think at the end of our lives, those are the things that define us, not our career, not our days in the gym but who we loved and how we loved and and where we left our relationships with those that we loved. Yeah, and, and my tagline is, let's leave a legacy of love. Oh, I love it. Thank you for listening to the So She Did Podcast. For more information, to be on the show, or to work directly with Kristen, please visit www.soshedidempire.com. If you enjoyed the show, please share it with your friends on social media and leave a positive review. We would love to hear from you. 